I really do feel that the best content marketing efforts all start with an editorial calendar because it really does force that deeper level of thinking, as I kind of alluded to, you know, earlier on. Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey there. I hope you're doing well. Happy 4th of July if you happen to be in the States and listening to this episode on the day it comes out. If you're anywhere else, you should know that everything else in this podcast is evergreen content, but it is uh, around the 3rd or 4th of July when this episode is dropping onto iTunes. But that means around here is one of the world's shortest 4th of July parades And if we are lucky in our neighborhood, we have a very small parade, but we are happy to have Carlos Reyes, who's like a world-class electric violin player, playing a rendition of the national anthem that would make Jimi Hendrix proud. It really is fantastic. And then we have a little parade with kids on bikes and scooters. We'll go down to the lake, have a few hot dogs, and relax the rest of the day. But that's, that's kind of what goes on around here. And I hope you're having fun wherever you are. Hey, if uh, if that puts you in a revolutionary mood and you want to do something different with your marketing, the best place to join other marketers in that movement is at the annual meeting of the ACPLS, the Association of Commercial Professionals in Life Sciences. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard about them already. If you're new, you should find out about them. The annual meeting is happening in October on the 25th to the 27th. All kinds of sessions on marketing, sales, leadership, panel discussions, customer panels. Uh, We've got a session on virtual reality, mixed reality, and augmented reality. Like, What's the difference between all of those and how can marketers use them? We've got uh, someone talking about how to create a fantastic YouTube channel how to measure your public relations efforts. I could go on and on, but you should just go to acp-ls.org slash annual dash meeting to find out everything you need to know about that meeting. And you should sign up right now. You don't want to miss this meeting. Lots of great stuff there. And as always, I appreciate the ACPLS being a sponsor of this podcast. Today, Um, We're going to talk about editorial calendars, so a little content marketing. And if you listen to uh, the whole thing and you stick through to the end, I'll have an offer for you uh, related to that at the end of the episode. So now let's jump right into it. My guest today is Joan Boyce. Joan is the vice president and general manager of BioCompare, who you should all know about. If you don't already, uh, you will. And uh, BioCompare helps life science professionals making informed purchase decisions by offering product information and industry news. She's also a member of the editorial board where we work together um, at the ACPLS. Joan Boyce, welcome to the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to uh, to having a great session. Yeah, like we were talking before the show, like you are the person I have pursued the longest to get on this show. <laughs> well, I appreciate your patience. Thank you so much. <laughs> 
So today we're going to talk about um, building an editorial calendar, which um, I got this idea when we were talking on the editorial board and thinking, here's someone who has to do this as part of your business at BioCompare. Who better to really dive into what an, what an editorial calendar is and how companies could use it in their content marketing? So let's just start with that basic thing. What What is an editorial calendar? How do you look at it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I look at it pretty much as an editorial calendar being a means to organize content and publishing schedules. So the elements of a calendar can consist of the topics or the categories you wish to publish. Um, you need to think about the publication dates for those topics, the content types that will be used, things like articles, video, white paper, blog posts. And many use kind of good old-fashioned Excel files or Google Drive to organize and store the data. Um, there are some like editorial plugins for WordPress. And if your editorial calendar is pretty advanced and complex, you can use paid software such as Kapost, Contently, Compendium. Those are kind of some useful tools, like I said earlier, for managing really, really complex calendars. But all in all, it's, a, it's an organizational tool. Do you use any of those tools? Because I, I know Kapost and uh, Contently. I don't know the other one you mentioned. Um, and I haven't. You know, we've looked into them, and honestly, we use um, we use Excel. <laughs> yeah, it works for, for our purposes. It works really well. Yeah, I think a shared a shared Excel or a Google yeah Google Drive, Drive yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. Because I imagine they're getting updated by multiple people all yes. the time, right? So it's mostly Google Drive. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And um, so we might maybe I've got this down later but um since you mentioned all those content types and the pop the question just popped into my head so i'll ask it now like do sure. you have an interval for each of those things or topics i mean we're going to get into you know kind of how you think about when you publish certain types of content but is there also something like we want to publish a video at a certain pace and we want to publish articles on a, at a certain interval is that you part know, of your it really, you know, the, um, the, the broad picture and the broad stroke is that an editorial calendar, you need to be really, really strategic. So in order to answer that, you have to kind of start at the very, very high level in what are you hoping to accomplish? Um, and then that will kind of drive the, the types of content. And I can get into that a little bit later or now if you'd like in terms of, you know, how to really think through um, the process of creating the calendar. Because there's a lot of kind of a lot of facets of it that you need to think through before you actually get down to the tactical and the mechanics of of filling in those <laughs> cells right. within, the, within the Google Drive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we will get to that later. Oh yeah, so, totally. I'll get into that in length. Mm -hmm. Um. So you're a publisher and you need a schedule so that you can deliver something on a regular basis because that is an expectation of publishers. Right. Um, and, you know, if you listen to Joe Polizzi and the Content Marketing Institute, I mean, their consistency is a big deal. And consistency of content is, it can be difficult. I mean, uh, I've been doing this for two and a half years. I had to take one interval off because I didn't have anything. And I was, and I, and occasionally I repost things, but it, there's definitely take some effort to put something out every other week. 
But beyond having the schedule, what other benefits do you see as having a calendar that you're you're working from? Why is it important? Yeah, it's important. Um, it's important because it does, like I said earlier, it takes a lot of time and effort and resources to put together a calendar. So the, I think the main benefits are it'll help you focus your efforts on your goals and objectives. Um, so referring to that, making sure you don't go astray because it's easy, I think, sometimes to get off course. But if you have a document that you've prepared, things are written, people have signed off, it helps you with the focus. Secondly, it also helps that you adhere to a schedule, which is really, really important. And that, you know, and if you publish it internally and, um, you know, and, and send it off to your writers, then they'll, you know, there's a, there's a commitment that they have to adhere to a schedule. So that ensures that the content actually gets written and published um, on time. And adhering to the calendar as well um, also leads to, like you you mentioned, consistency, consistent execution. And that could help with staying within the budget because, you know, as you know, content efforts can get costly. And if they get and if things go outside of scope and outside of the calendar, you can be, you know, you can be incurring a lot of expenses that you maybe haven't budgeted for. So those are the main reasons why it's important and uh, why it's such a great organizational tool. I like that. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it explicitly the budget aspect of it. Oh, but yeah. This is, <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, especially for someone, you know, in your position, but even for a, a company. So going back, I want to I tie that to the first one, which is that focus on goals. And, you know, I'm always trying to get companies to think about, you know, what are your goals and lay out the content that you're going to create over a long period of time. So, you know, you've got the list in front of you and you know that everything works together and it makes sense. And then, and doing that and having that calendar saves budget. It saves time and effort because you're not having to get together and hash things out every month. Like what are we doing now? And have a long discussion about that, that may or may not be relevant to what you're doing next month or last month. And, in a kind of scattered fashion. So I think that's uh, the, the calendar is sort of the, the manifestation <laughs> of right. a good plan. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now we're, we're going to go a little bit more into it. So a lot of publications have a seasonal schedule around say sporting events or cooking or, you know, fashion, like, <laughs> In the spring, you're going to see what the summer fashions are. And I, I don't know why I've used that analogy in a couple of podcasts lately, but that's what's come up. That's a good one. But if you are um, publishing for scientists, what types of things are you looking at to produce content that's timely for whatever scientists might be thinking about at a particular time of year? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, in sort of the media slash magazine world, it's really common to align editorial topics with uh, key scientific conferences, especially the ones where the media brand will be exhibiting or distributing their magazines. So they want to make sure that they uh, produce content that's going to be relevant to the audience. And I think that's, I'm going I'm to hit upon that a lot, I think, during this podcast. Um, you really need to know your audience. So yeah, so industry conferences are a really good way to schedule content, related content to the conference. It's a, like I said earlier, it's a very common practice. Also, what I found to be really, really successful is to also keep the pulse on hot papers that have been published. Um, And you can do that by setting sort of Google alerts for the topics 
that you may have in mind. And what you can see is if there are some like really hot or seminal papers that have been published, um, this can give you an idea of how to further refine the content scope um, so that you can make the best assignments to whomever's going to write the article. So I, I always like to recommend that we, we do that when we, uh, you know, in, when we put together our calendars. Um, typically in the publishing world, if you've noticed, if you've read any or have seen any editorial calendars, the topics tend to be broad in scope. And then when it gets a little bit closer to the actual publication date, maybe like two or three months out, then the editors will sit there and narrow their focus. So they'll look at a lot of different tools and resources to do that. And like I said, the Google alerts are a really, really good way. Uh, focusing on sort of new emerging uses of technology always captures people's attention. And of course, you want to write about content that's going to, you know, that's going to be consumed. From a content marketing side, you know, for a tool provider, uh, you know, what I've seen is a lot of product launches guide content creation, right? So there's a lot of activity around a product launch and assets that need to be created for that, for that content launch. And certainly for a tool provider, that needs to be taken into consideration when putting together the calendar. And I have found, and you've probably noticed it too, like a lot of companies do tie product launches to key scientific meetings. Right. Yeah, totally. So they I try think, to, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they try to, right. You know, a lot of variables The missing piece, though, is, is having it all thought out three months ahead of time. Right? Exactly. I mean, and that's, that's why the calendar is a beautiful thing, you know. It should be part of when you're starting your, you know, your, your, your marketing strategic plan for marketing. It's like you had that stuff identified, like you, that'll, that'll be the guide, you know, and then you tie, you know, because a lot of that, you, you, what, what you could use, what a publication uses to guide the editorial calendar, companies can use those same, that same line of thinking for not only their product launches, but then developing the content to support those, those products. Right. Mm -hmm. So the only thing I'd say about that, so first of all, a calendar is the uh, the the conferences do drive the schedule. In oh science. yeah, totally. Lots of times, yes. And and then you're using that, and you're setting Google alerts so that at your three month or minus three month meeting, with respect to that the date of that event and the and the issue you're going to publish, you're starting to say, all right, what's hot in this area, so we can right. develop those articles and have them come out at the time of the conference. Correct. For a company, what I'm just just crossed my mind. What I would suggest is setting your alerts a little earlier because if you're going to launch a product at the conference, you ought to be creating content relevant to that topic for a couple months in advance to warm up the audience, so to get them paying attention to you on that topic, so that when your launch comes out, they're already looking. Not and it's not just. Hey, here's the conference. We're we've got our product. Check this thing out, right? You want to gather the people who would be interested early. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. You want to, yeah, especially if it's um, you know setting the goals, and that's where the goals come in when you kind of think through the editorial calendar. But yeah, if you want to start with that thought leadership content before to establish yourself um, as a thought leader in that specific area, well in advance of the product launch, that that makes perfect sense. And really, you should be doing that all the time. I mean, it, you should be gathering that audience with non-product related content so that when it comes time for your launch and that event, you have your list. Correct. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, all right. So what, now we're getting into the process. What does the process of creating the calendar look like? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. It's going to have, going to have kind of a long answer because it's very, <laughs> it's very in depth. Yeah. Well, this is, that's what we're here and, for. Uh, and I actually just wrote an article about this for our upcoming e-newsletter um, that we call BioCompare Insights. So, yeah, this is t- very timely. So, really, like I said earlier, the first step is that I find to be useful is to create an editorial mission statement. So yay. I know this. Sa- yay! <laughs> <laughs> I know this sounds really basic, but I can't tell you how important it is. So the statement should really articulate your goals. Okay, so why are you creating the content in the first place? What do you hope to accomplish with it? And most importantly, how you measure success. Okay, so you need to think about that stuff up front. Once you've had that all mapped out, in conjunction with that thinking, you really need to kind of pinpoint the desired audience and the personas of that audience. So who are you creating this content for? What are their biggest pain points? Um, what I find to be really useful, obviously in, a, in sort of the media world, the magazine world, uh, we have editorial advisory boards. So I always like to validate everything through, you know, through boards, uh, through colleagues. Um, for a company, I recommend that they tapping into their sales organ, you know, to their customers or their sales organization. And uh, one resource I think is really underutilized is technical support. So, you know, ask your technical support group, hey, what are the top 10, like, challenges that you're, or questions that you're getting? And because uh, those are the pain points. So if you kind of focus on those, uh, can help you understand your desired audience um, a little bit better. So once you do that high-level thinking, what you then need to do is to uh, determine the budget that you can allocate for content creation because that's really going to drive a lot of the decision-making and uh, such as like frequency. So once you've kind of determined those high-level things, then you can start creating the sort of editorial calendar tactical plan. So you have your budget, you have your goals, how are you going to measure success, your personas, and the next thing to decide is is the frequency. How often will you publish the content? Because that's really important. That's going to tie very directly into the budget. Then you need to kind of think about the distribution channels that you have to disseminate the content. And the reason why the distribution channels are important and, and important to consider early on is because how and where the content is consumed may give insights into where that person is or could potentially be within the purchasing journey. So let me give you an example. An example could be the channel is your website, right? And the content type is a blog. So you can ask yourself, when during the buying journey is a blog post most likely to be consumed? You could say, hmm, maybe it's going to be read early on in the buying cycle. So therefore, I need to think about maybe establishing or creating thought leadership content. Uh, for that. And so the editorial calendar is a really good way to just keep that all really nicely organized. But those are really important considerations to think of um, up front. So once you've kind of given that a lot of thought, the next thing is to think about is to who will actually create the content. Is this something you will write? Do you need to hire a freelancer? That will then determine your expenses and resource, uh, resource requirements. Then you have to get down to kind of deciding on the topics. And some of the great sources of potential topics, um, uh, again, based on the goal. So if it's a product launch or if you, you know, want to really establish yourself in a specific given area, 
is first take a look at your own website. Uh, your website, you know, look at your analytics, start by seeing which types of content are consumed most. This is something that we, you know, that a lot of publishers do on, our, on a you know, regular and routine basis. So that's uh, always start, you know, with your own audience and your own site. Um, those are really good places. But other topic ideas can come from a little secret is, you know, we typically tap into conference producer websites for ideas on what's hot within the subject matters you want to cover. Some of them have really great agendas. They have, you know, they're cutting, they're covering some of the cutting edge stuff. Um, so that's a really good resource to tap into for some topic considerations. And then, of course, there are always publication editorial calendars. Um, those are typically published a year in advance, so you can check those out as well. And I've always found, like I said earlier, that vetting the topics with our editorial advisory board can provide really meaningful feedback. And a company can do this with their best customers and their sales teams. So that's kind of all the sort of upfront thinking that has to go into it. And then you have to think about how do you organize all this data, right? So take your Google Drive, set up columns. The key things that I like to capture on the editorial calendar, I mean, are obviously the topic, a content headline, desired persona, you know, the content types. Is it going to be a blog, a video, an article, even a webinar? Um, the channel used for dissemination, the due date, the publish date, tying in any kind of key strategic meetings, um, the person responsible for co creating the content. Uh, another really important thing to tr keep I like to keep tidy on the editorial calendars is the metadata tags, you know, for SEO. Some editors like to use it to keep track of the status, the metrics, and then finally, you know, what kind of call to action. So that's, a, that's my long-winded answer of, uh, but I found that great editorial calendars really do require a lot of thought and planning, but it's totally well worth it. So yeah, no, that's, that's it. Uh uh, now we yeah there you go drop the mic oh yeah that's, really <laughs> that's, that's the secret it. sauce <laughs> yeah i mean uh there's a lot more in there than than i think most people would think of um, right all the way down to the calls to action but certainly if you're making content you should have a call to action for something at the end of it and you know that can be it's easy to overlook you say oh we we created the content and we put it out there and we just hope that somebody does something based on that but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's really important even if it's just you know read this other thing or there's some link in it or ask for information whatever you want them to do or download right for for uh, demand gen exactly just, yeah mm -hmm. yeah yep so you're publishing a media con uh, media kit every year, and you do that. Uh, so I've I've seen this uh, to sell advertising and other services for BioCompare. So somewhere near the end of one year, you've got your calendar ready for the next year, so you can go out and and say, this is what we're going to be talking about next year. Which of these slots do you want, or which of these packages do you want? And here's how what we're going to be publishing. So people interested in a certain topic will see your content or your product release at, at the right time. What do you think of the idea of marketers using in a, in a company using an editorial calendar to sell management on a fixed program of content marketing? So in other words, sell the idea of saying, we're going to build this calendar with the intent that this is our plan. <laughs> this is, and this is why we're going to publish this at this time. 
my goal would be to minimize people coming and saying, hey, you know, we should do an article on this or we should do, an, you know, the ad hoc requests that kind of disrupt the flow of a content marketing system. No, definitely. And, um, you know, I'm smiling right now because I, I really do feel that since the editorial calendar is such a great organizational tool that, uh, you know, if it's put together properly and used effectively, it will result in marketing efforts that are more organized and aligned with key strategic goals. And as you, um, you know, astutely thought about when you're writing this question, it's an awesome way to present the ideas to management. Really, it really is because it shows that you're going to be organized. You have your goals, you have, you know, success metrics, you have a budget, And so I really do feel that the best content marketing efforts all start with an editorial calendar because it really does force that deeper level of thinking, as I kind of alluded to, you know, earlier on in in that other question. What I recommend is starting actually with a kind of a small effort to use as a proof of concept, right? So if you want to sell it to management, they always like to do what works. So start with like a three to four month plan. Again, I can't stress the importance of setting metric goals and having them laid out within the calendar, goals that are measurable, and set them for every piece of content you create. And then measure early and often, you know, A-B tests, things like design, titles, to ensure that when you roll out your full-on campaigns are using kind of what's worked. And what will get management's attention is the ability to show ROI, as you know, because content marketing isn't really a one-time effort. Right. Yeah. So I recommend like always analyzing the data, you know, always optimize and adapt your editorial strategy. Uh, the beauty of the, you know, the digital media is things that could be tracked. So if your company has sort of content engagement metrics that they've already signed off on with your plan, like strive to beat them, you know, measure um, early and often. And for example, if demand gen is part of the main goal of your content campaign, you know, tracking whether or not the leads generated through the content downloads and subsequent nurturing actually convert into a sale opportunity would be really key. Uh, being able to show that level of ROI, ROI through, you know, to upper management should really uh, command attention, I think, gain that acceptance. So having an editorial calendar where that's all mapped out will really help organize the effort and stay focused. So that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's what I think about how it could be used to help sell management. I like that. That's good advice. Even though I, I know I led you on that one a little bit, I, I felt like I was a senator questioning someone <laughs> like, here's my statement. Please but say the, yes. Yeah. But the frequent, yeah, please say yes. Well, you know, but I, I loved it because it really, there is a lot of thought that goes into it. And if it's done well and executed properly, you know, I don't see how management will, I think, really respect that. You know, how it will help minimize frequent changes in direction. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. You know, it's interesting. One of the, that's why I kind of recommend start it, start early. Uh, I mean, start with a smaller program because one of the things that I've heard from many of the awesome ed- editors I've had the privilege to work with over the years is they actually dislike how restrictive an editorial calendar can be especially one that spans across 12 months and is published, right? We, we kind of have to do it in the media world because people want to, you know, they want to see, they want to plan their schedules, they want to plan, you know, what types of ads they may be publishing in a magazine. But honestly, editors really don't like to be tied in 
for that <laughs> length of period of time. I'm sure. You know, so it's like a, a little secret. But we do have the beauty of being in an industry that's like constantly changing, constantly advancing. So that's why I suggest and recommend starting out with a calendar that necessarily isn't published externally, like to customers. That's too far out in advance. And that allows... Um, the flexibility of being tweaked slightly to accommodate hot emerging topics. So it's not really about, you know, switching up the plan, but having the ability to maybe shift the focus of the article if you see something hot that's that's coming about. Um, I do think the ca- calendar c- can uh, really help minimize frequent changes in direction. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you don't have to publish it to customers. I mean, no, you can yeah. publish it to management and exactly. you're counting on them to to realize the value of staying on a fixed program and hopefully not, you know, having to create things that are off plan just because they happen to be popular right now. And honestly, I mean, things come up and it seems like, oh, we should do an article on that. But by the time you actually got it out, no one would be paying attention anymore. So right. uh, yeah, I think a company should stick with their story and and go. You mentioned, this is a little aside, but you mentioned A-B testing. So do you do a lot of A-B testing on what you publish? Uh, we, we do that more with sort of channels, so email blasts. Okay. Um, we do we do more of that. What we do is just really very closely monitor page views and, and activity, and then in, sort of if there are any kind of links, that's where the call to action. If there's any links within the content, so the most of the A/B testing that we do is is within sort of the the delivery channels. So if we want to send something out by email, we'll, we'll test different subject lines. We do A/B testing with with news more. Because the headlines for news, that's the one thing that where a lot of publishers do do A-B testing. So there may be a news story and they want to see, okay, if this headline may be a little bit more provocative or not provocative, that's where kind of knowing the personas is going to be important. That's where I I think timely news stories. So we have done A-B testing with headlines or subject lines for news stories. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so now I have to. I have a follow-up question. Is so I'm I'm sure you guys have a a relatively large list. What fraction of your list do you do your test on? Probably about twenty percent, twenty to twenty-five percent. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would have been my yes. guess, but I just I just thought for people who are not doing. I mean, obviously, if you test too much, you've already <laughs> you've already exactly. sent it to too many people, the wrong one. And if you don't do enough, you don't get any data. So, all right. Um, what about tying your editorial calendar to your other marketing efforts? So your non-content efforts, is there a way to do that? Well, you know, in the media world, the basis of our, our marketing um, to, to sort of get more eyeballs and audience is really around audience development. So our marketing efforts are very, very closely tied to our editorial strategy. An example of this is kind of late last year, we launched interactive content hubs that we that we named Future Lab. Each Future Lab is sort of created around a particular subject area. Currently have six of them on topics like next-gen sequencing, flow, immunodetection. Um, and each Future Lab has its own editorial calendar. And that editorial calendar really does drive the audience development or the marketing plan. So the two are very, very closely uh, aligned. 
and we typically use sort of every available channel to drive traffic and engagement with the with the Future Lab platform, and we track everything that we do. So every piece of marketing that was used to um, drive the engagement, uh, you know, we collect, and then we use the data to make tweaks on both the marketing campaigns that we do and the content that we create along the way. Um, our, you know, our, our edit. I think for a publisher, the editorial strategy really does drive does drive the marketing, very much so. All right. So now, yeah, now my ears are perking up. So you've created these platforms, your Future Lab platforms. Yes. Around things like NGS and and so on. I'm imagining with the intent of building specific audiences. That's correct. And you're using content relative to those audiences. So you're somehow you're engaging and you're getting people to sign up for something. So you get a piece of data about them. And then you publish content that would be of interest to that persona. And you're just trying to develop that audience. I'm guessing in the long run, a strategy for a publisher is to be able to go to a company and say, here's the audience we have that we know is highly engaged in next-gen sequencing. Correct. So actually, each Future Lab has a, uh, has a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, so each sponsor, it's, it's an exclusive sponsorship. So, so what we do is we, and the sponsor, it's like a really nice native and contextual advertising opportunity. So what we do is we intersperse the sponsor content in with our own content. And um, so what, when we launch a Future Lab, we... We use a strategy like, okay, what trade shows are we going to be at? Where can we launch future labs around a specific meeting? So we were, you know, we were at Cancer and, you know, we launched, uh, recently launched the NGS one. So at the trade show, we'll, we'll drive uh, registrants to the future lab. Uh, people can come up to the booth, sign up to be a, reg- a registered or sort of like a subscriber to that NGS future lab. And we update content um, at a minimum on a monthly basis. And so those people that sign up will then get uh, placed on a email blast to get our content alerts. Um, and then we also use all of our available channels um, in addition to the email blast to drive people to the content. So along the way, we are absolutely, um, you know, augmenting our audiences in those areas where we have the future labs. So it's, it's, it's a really nice platform and we're learning along the way, you know, we just recently launched this. So we're very data driven. So we're absolutely looking at all of our data to say, you know what, we're really finding that this type of content is resonating well. And for some of our sponsors, um, some of the content is gated and we're definitely seeing that some, um, some content types are more sort of gateworthy than others, and that's a really <laughs> that's a really great learning because yeah, you know, posters do really well. White papers not as much, you know. So we're we're learning along the way, and we're sort of educating as we learn, um, and and kind of you know replaying or providing the sponsors with uh, with that kind of feedback for their own efforts as well. So. Um, another good example of marketing around sort of a bellwether piece of content. Uh, so, for example, we're about to tomorrow, I'm very excited, we're going to be launching a, a documentary that we produced around reproducibility. So that's, you know, it's a film. It's 37 minutes. Uh, it's a pretty long film, but we are, we interviewed about 20 KOLs from around the world. 
And we're, you know, we embarked upon a huge marketing effort to drive people to view the, the film. So, yeah, all in I all. I saw those yeah. on LinkedIn yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, th- yeah. oh good. I'm glad you saw that. Yes, it was a little sneak preview. Um, yeah. But certainly, you know, if you create a bellwether piece of content, you know, and we've, we mapped out a whole plan just around one piece of content because we feel it's going to be that important. So, um, yeah, within the publishing world, definitely our editorial really drives, drives our marketing. Yeah, wow. This has been so, um, so much more than what even I anticipated when I thought, well, let's just talk about how to build a marketing editorial calendar so you can do better. <laughs> and now you, you've really well, I'm glad set you found the it useful. Standard. I mean, uh, you you talk about all the things that um, you sort of know, but then, like from the media company perspective, and Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose are always talking about thinking like a media company um, to do your marketing and you really see now how you know you're in the business of building an audience and and that's how companies should think about it as well and you've really laid out you know the why and the what and the how really well for us for marketers listening to this what do you have any advice on getting started i mean there's there's probably a little activation energy it takes to get people to say all right i'm going to do this so what how do you make a the first small step yeah the, i think really it's just really being sure to align your goals with the content you produce. That's going to be key. And then get as organized as soon as possible and start off with a modest effort. Um, set, Set metrics, assess metrics, and be diligent about monitoring them and let the data guide uh, your future efforts. So, I mean, that's in a nutshell what I would recommend it's um, if you do that hard work and thinking up front, everything else kind of falls into place very nicely. But start out with a small uh, effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the small effort. That's the thing. I mean, you don't have to, like you say, you know, don't make a calendar for a year no, that yeah. you know no one's going to stick to. You and it's exactly. like a diet, like, oh my gosh, you're looking down the road. I can't do that. But, you know, you can probably pull something off on a three month basis and then go, wow, that really worked well. Let's do that again. That's correct. Yep. So that that would be my advice. I love it. So Joan Boyce, thank you so much for all this fantastic <laughs> advice. I mean, it's just been a what do they call it? <laughs> a value bomb. I'm making up words. I'm me- I'm doing. Oh, I like mashup that word. That's cool. Value bomb. It's definitely use that. a I- value <laughs> bomb for the podcast. Nice. Well, it, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, thanks for being patient with me. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. It, it was worth the wait. Oh, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Chris. You bet. There you go. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about the process of content marketing in this podcast. And so an editorial calendar, I think, is a great example of one of the things you can do to create an infrastructure around content marketing and hopefully make the whole process easier by having a plan for how you're going to put content out, publish it, promote it, and so on. If that's the type of thing you're thinking of, so first of all, thank you, Joan, very much for that fantastic interview. If you are thinking about your content marketing and want to, and just think it's, it's harder than it should be, or I, I know this could be easier, but I don't know how to get started we kind of doing things on an ad hoc basis. 
if you want help creating a plan, I have capacity in August to do a workshop, um, the content marketing roadmap workshop, I call it. And we can build out a plan for the content you're going to create, how you're going to publish it, what you're going to publish over time, how you'd promote it. And most of all, a lot about how you can repurpose it. So you can take the, all the effort that you're putting into creating the content you're going to make anyway and get more traction out of it. Uh, if you're interested in that, go to lifesciencemarketingradio.com. Go to the contact page and just send me a little note on there and I will get back to you and maybe we can make something happen. As always, thanks very much for listening to Life Science Marketing Radio. If you like the show, please tell your friends. This is, uh, this is how we grow and I promise you we have some more fantastic guests coming up in the near future that you don't want to miss and uh, your friends will benefit from and thank you for as well. That's it for now. Enjoy your holiday, and I hope you're enjoying summer. Don't forget the sunscreen. I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.